Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. Who turns down a junior mint? Oh, Kramer, Kramer. Seinfeld. Ooh, that's a connection meet though. <laughs> that's what I Kramer? Yeah, yeah. Yes, true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you have to think about that? No, I knew I wanted to do a Seinfeld related. Yeah. Okay. But I couldn't figure out I that's the only Kramer quote I could like think of yeah. at the top of my head. Because outside of Seinfeld and this movie, I've never heard that name used. But well, no, I'll talk about that later. Sure. There's something I want to say. Yeah, okay. But I'll say it later. Yeah, when yeah. it's relevant. When we, yeah, are okay. in in it. In it. To win it. To win it. Hi! How's it going? We're here in person. We're here in person. I guess we should, do we have to say this? No, I think they get it. We're going to do it in person. Yeah, yeah. mostly. We're as committed much, to as it. As much as possible, because it's just better Unless one of us has, like, the runs or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then we'll figure it out. But okay. we're here in person. I mean, the I saw a movie last week. Yeah. Finally. You saw it last week. I saw it. You saw it right when it released. Yeah, that weekend. Yeah, that weekend. Mm-hmm. So I saw Bo is Afraid. Yeah. Yeah. What the F? <laughs> I like weird. Yeah. I'm a big fan of weird. And I'm a big fan of taking chances and all of that. But Bo is Afraid, is a, it's a test in many ways. It's really weird. Yeah. I will say, having been removed from it now yes. for like a few weeks. I'm really curious about that perspective. I am appreciating it more. There are aspects of that movie okay. like I've never experienced before. Yeah. And then in the moment, I was like, why am I experiencing these things? Yeah. But I have to say, like, I really do appreciate the risks that yes, he takes. Yes, 100%. Even yeah. though it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I stand firmly behind it. Yeah. And it's not a five-star movie. No. But I'm like, no. Risk-taking is great all yeah. the time. It yeah. never, It never is a bad thing. And like, there, so, but the interesting though, thing that I've been thinking about since mm-hmm. watching it is like, I really appreciate this risk-taking and mm-hmm. I can like commend it and say like, no, this is like, he's doing something here. Mm-hmm. But then when you have something like Babylon, which also, yeah. in Dam- Damien's own way, he's taking risks. Yes. I don't appreciate those risks no, as much. I want him to stay pigeon-held into like the sort of like glossy fun like la la land of it all but is that that's a very interesting perspective is that why am i so mean (laughs) i'm such a hypocrite (laughs) but is that mainly because two things does damien chazelle not do his departure as well as ari aster and conversely then is ari aster's as much of a departure as that's what i was about to say ari ari each movie is different each time yeah where i think you can kind of draw the same conclusions from like whiplash and la la land yeah you can kind of see the same like sentiment yeah yeah sentiment that's there and even from first man there's a a style of filmmaking that is very familiar okay well i haven't seen first oh you don't need to okay yeah (laughs) but like i think there he was sort of following like you can tell it's a damien chazelle film yeah whereas ari aster was like i can't if i if I not knowing who he was and I watched Hereditary and Midsummer, I think they both they both are different. Yeah. But they don't feel like they are from the same person. That's like, interesting. Yeah. That, that's not even the right sentiment. But though. there are there are things that are there's, starting to line up that you're yeah. like that's very Ari Aster. There's certainly like a very cerebral creative mind yeah. behind everything, but it's not so much like. That's Ari Aster. Yeah, that's or like, true. That's Martin Scorsese. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yes, not that. Not yet. It's not there yeah. yet. But I also appreciate the fact that it's not there. Like, yeah, I like think he's so different. He wants to do something new yeah. every time, which a lot of people just fall into their pigeonhole yeah. holds. Pigeon, yeah, pigeonholes. Yeah, they fall into the hole. Oh. Yeah, with Buffalo Bill. With Buffalo, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people fall into like what they're known for and get lazy and like i don't think he's gonna do that i think each time will be something new crazy and wild i hope so actually and this kind of gives me hope i think the things i would want to see in the future from him and he doesn't give a shit what we have to say and i actually really like that that he's just making what he thinks should be made this is it's too much of a film it's just flat out it's unfocused and yeah. that's, I think, the thing. It, it can be big and it can be sprawling and it can be epic in form, but it's not 
it a film still should have a little focus. And it starts on one angle that I, I thought the movie was going to be about anxiety mm. and fear mm. and like what that, how that builds and what that does, especially because that first hour is so, is so good. Yeah. And so like that, those shots of like the home, like the, the street that he lives on and his, I'm like, oh, this is actually petrifying. Like I totally I get it. Be, yeah. But also because... That's never revisited, and we have no explanation. As like, there's giant plot holes. Yeah. Like, who was sending there's those no... notes under his, like, what's, and what's the, like, fine, it doesn't have to be someone, but what is the, what is it? But there's no real connection between, like, what I think it's really trying to say and the, the, those first, that first Yeah, hour. because at the end, it's very clearly about smotherhood yes like that's what it I is i thought like jewish guilt Ju- jewish guilt yeah Jew- and jewish mother guilt specifically yeah and like mothers in general like emotional blackmail and like all of that yeah which as indian people we can actually we, really yeah, connect to we get it, juice. but yeah. that beginning did not connect and then that weird animation sequence in between that i was like why was that that's when why i went was to the bathroom thing? <laughs> i was like i don't think i need to be here i swear to god i was in the theater and i'm like this is when mita went to the bathroom and i had to pee and i had to be like this is when i should go but i was just like how much longer of this yeah that's when i went because i was like i don't think i need to be here for this like i really don't you would have I, I don't think you missed anything no i didn't because i don't think i did yeah nobody said anything i mean i didn't know anybody no you didn't know the anybody theater, but at the but... same t- time you i you didn't. I didn't. Okay, good. Because like, what, what was he trying to get at with that? I don't know. What? I thought, like, at, when I got back from the washroom, yeah. I don't want to spoil things. No, don't spoil it. It's not. It's still in theaters, so. Yeah, but when I got back, just based off of, like, what was learned at that, like, theater yeah. camp, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, I don't think I missed anything terribly important here. And I was like, why did we go from, like, Nathan Lane to this? To then home. I think it's meant to be an odyssey. That's kind of the thing. It's meant to be like Homer's odyssey. Yeah. Like, which I got. I understood that it's like his, it's, it's his odyssey, I think, through different emotional, like, vantages. Through, like, what, the things that his, probably his parental relationships make him feel. So, like, anxiety, and then maybe love and belonging, and then... But that's like a whole forty-five minutes that you could have. Oh my god! Out it was so long. It movie. was, and it was flat out boring. Yeah. It wasn't, and that's the thing that Ari does so well. Even when something is boring, it's still excellent. Also, Ari Aster has real issues with his mother. Yeah, like, he needs to get those checked. Like not just in this, but Hereditary too. Yeah. That whole monologue that uh, Tony Collette gives it. If you think about it now, you're like, oh, is he actually trying to villainize her? Rather than give her, oh. like, an explanation for, as like, to why she's as so to why she's so frustrated, rather, or is he trying to be like, oh, you're a bitch? Because now well, that's what it feels like. Well, is afraid. Yeah, it makes it feel like, oh, you actually don't like this character. Yeah. Which is, I do love that. Hmm. You really get an insight into this man and, like, what he does, and I think that's really, there's a lot to see in this. But it's not for everybody. Oh my gosh, no. There's, I don't, I cannot think of a single other person I could recommend this to. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't even recommend it to myself. Yeah, like, I will not watch this again. I might watch that first hour again because I do like it. But, like, other than that, I'm not going to sit through that I really like the last part of it. I like the last part, too. Yeah, I I like the Nathan Lane and that kind of... Yeah, Nathan Lane and uh, Amy Ryan were interesting, too. But, again... What's with the paint drinking and like the like? That you know was what weird. I mean? Like, why is she? Yeah. Why is she acting like that? Like, there's so there's a lot of questions, but not terrible. No. What did you give it? Three. Me too. I think at one point I was kind of like three and a half, but as it's settled, yeah, I'm kind of like no, it's just it's too much. It's a three. For but sure. what I wanted to ask you was yeah. one of the first things you said to me was that after you saw it, you actually raised your rating for Midsummer. Yeah. So talk to me about that. I appreciate how less weird Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit more streamlined. Yeah, it, Midsummer is a better experience yeah. in terms of a film and a singular idea. Yeah, like it's about it. Grief. It is focused. Yeah, that's a wild thing to say about Midsummer, but it is focused. It is focused. Yeah, in comparison to Bo is yeah. Afraid. Bo is Afraid is unfocused. But I really do appreciate the yeah. risk he takes with it. Yeah. Because you're right, that first hour is pretty excruciatingly... Yeah. In the right like, way. And although, like, oh! Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I will say, though, I will not be as forgiving if he does it again. 
You think the next one needs to have more editing? Yeah. And yeah. focus. <laughs> just in general. Focus is not a bad thing. And speaking of focus... Yeah. This slightly dovetails because the trailer for Killer of the Flower Moon... Yeah. came out today. It Martin Scorsese's movie releasing in December starring an unknown actor named Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio, huh? Di- yeah, DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yes. And another man named Robert Di Nero. Okay. Lionel DiCaprio yeah. <laughs> and Bob, Bob Bobby De Niro. Bobby De Niro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, but it's obviously this is Martin Scorsese, big stars. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but the teaser is actually very good. I really you sent it to me on WhatsApp today. Yeah, I did. And I was like, oh great, yeah. another <laughs> movie. No, I didn't really think that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I get it if you had. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, let's see. Like, I, yeah. just, I, I don't know. I wasn't excited about this for any reason. Yes. I know a lot of people are. But then that teaser, I was like, oh, the teaser is impressive. Marty, what you doing? And not just that, <laughs> but it finally looks like you have an interesting female character from yeah. uh, Martin, which is really nice to see. It, and I was, I was expecting. I honestly was expecting just something else from Martin. I was just like, oh, this looks like it might be your best work. It looks very thrilling. Yeah, it looks very interesting. Which like. This sounds bad, but I feel like sometimes stories like this can be very tedious. And they can be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Talking down to you? Condescending? Condescending. Yeah. Like it feels very like... like, you should know better. You should know better. We don't kill Native Americans. Like that's not... And it doesn't seem like that's what he's going. He's going to say like, Americans are bad and they did bad shit. Yeah. But that's... It's more about the bad shit rather than that you shouldn't do the bad shit. Which I like. I'm getting that. Also, so what I mean by focus, to bring it back, is that the movie's three and a half hours. Oh, no. I didn't see that. Yeah. How do we... Is that for sure? This thing doesn't come out for a while. It's pretty... He can still edit. Martin. (laughs) I don't think Thelma's going to. I'm just looking it up right now. (laughs) Yep. Three hours and 26 minutes. Three hours. Why? It is long. What is he... Like... But... I still haven't seen The Irishman because of how long it is. But I think this one, you'll... This one looks more worthy of that time than The Irishman was for me in my I'm opinion. really finding it hard to find films that are worthy of that time. That time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say that, like, in terms of focus, if you're telling a story for that long, yes, you better be telling me something. And Bo just didn't tell me enough. In like three, It's too scatterbrained. It's too scatterbrained. And I think there's something we're missing mm-hmm. or I'm understanding and I just don't care. And either way, it's not good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Hereditary is turning into a five-star movie for me and Midsommar is like a, a solid four stars. This is just not. What did you think of Joaquin though? Do you think really anyone else committed. could have done it? Yeah, probably. I'm not going to lie. Like, why do we hire Joaquin Phoenix? Because he is a good actor. That is, it was a good performance. You I have to give him that. Could probably like Hulu. Try to think of like in that age. But group. I'll give you that. Like I've never there. None of the performances in Ari Aster's movies are like defining. Even Tony Collette and Hereditary. I think excellent. Flo. But I think another ingenue could have done that too. I don't think Flo is like. I think she does a great job, but it's not like. No, there's not many ingenues like in her realm that could do that. But like Emma Stone scene. could have done that. Emma Stone could have done that crying scene. I don't know. I think so. It just doesn't like, and even I Tony seen her Collette, in a while. Emma. Oh, yeah, I miss her. She has something coming out. You never. I sent you that. Oh, teaser. the plain things, pretty things. Yeah, it's a Yorgos. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It's also weird, but yeah. it's Yorgos weird, so we're okay. Yeah, with we're it. okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I would think, like to see Florence do something with Yorgos. For sure, yeah. yeah. Also, like again, Tony Collette, amazing, excellent performance, but like Nicole Kidman probably could have done that role. No. <laughs> I think there's a difference between Nicole Kidman and Tony Collette. I think Nicole Kidman. I think Nicole that. Kidman has been resting on her laurels for like yeah. the last twenty years. But <laughs> I think a lot of women could have done that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. There's something special. I think the fact that Tony Collette is like kind of an underdog is what makes it. Yeah, special. exactly. It's like not who you people root for typically. But it's not the performance either. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I just don't love booking. Uh, yeah, you've made that clear. But I do love Patty Lapone. I'll just put that yeah. out there. Patty Lapone? Yeah. 10 out of 10. Excellent. 10 yeah. out of 10. But speaking of good performances. Yeah. What did we watch this week? This week, Nadim, we watched the 1979 winner for Best Picture mm-hmm. Kramer versus 
Kramer. Excellent. Yeah. Let me give you a quick IMDb disco Please. for this 1979 winner. After his wife leaves him, a work-obsessed Manhattan advertising executive is forced to learn long-neglected parenting skills, but a heated custody battle over the couple's young son deepens the wounds left by the separation. That is too long-winded. That's really long. Yeah, unnecessarily. You could have cut it you just like yeah. when she leaves him. Yeah, when she leaves him and just call it a day. Yeah. Because the custody battle doesn't happen until like the last 20 minutes. Well, that's what I was going to say. The Kramer versus Kramer yeah. is not till much later. No, it's not. What are your thoughts? Okay. So going into this, my knowledge of Kramer versus Kramer is that Meryl won an award, Academy Academy award. award for it. Um, I've seen like bits and pieces of it throughout the years on mm-hmm. TV. And then recently on TikTok, clips have come about. Yeah. And I went into this. I was under the assumption that this was more a movie about litigation. Yeah. Than anything yeah, else. Yeah, than relationships. So I was excited because I was like, I love the law. Yeah. I really like watching a courtroom drama yeah. scene. And you don't get that until three quarters <laughs> into the yeah. movie. And like, honestly, the litigation is kind of the most boring part. Yeah, of it. it is. Yeah. yeah. It's not the exciting thrill that you yeah. like want it, you want it to be. Yeah. To be. But I actually, I enjoyed watching this. I think there's like a whole different perspective here that we don't get often. Uh, and I think so often men are, I don't want to sound like I'm a champion for men, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm all men's rights. feminist yeah. You know? I mean, I am, I'm for equality, yes, right? Yes. And I think often we don't get to see the male perspective of what it's like to be going through a divorce that's been kind of thrusted upon you. Or at least when we have, yeah. men are typically like the villain in the scenario. Yeah. And I think this movie does a really good job of balancing that out of like, yes, he's a workaholic and he's like dedicated to his job and maybe not paying attention Mm -hmm. to his wife, but he is a good parent and he is when it's time to step up to the plate, he does step up to the plate. And like, I think the lesser film would have like a montage of him learning to love his child, but it's like pretty clear. Like he does love his child. I really appreciated that about this because you don't see it enough. No. No. And I thought that, yeah, I I thought this was, I read some really interesting reviews about this afterwards. Mm-hmm. One of them said this is like the best version of a Lifetime movie. And I was just like, that's absolutely 100% what this is. Because yeah. this could have been real cheese. Yeah. And it's very artfully made mm-hmm. with some, really those three, the three performances are excellent by Meryl and Dustin and the kid. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. And that perspective of, and I, Dustin Hoffman says something at one point that, like, why is a father's love deemed less than a mother's love? And yeah. as a father, that really resonated with me. Yeah. Because, like, that child is yours. And why is it that a mother is suddenly given more value or consideration when, like, I've done the work? Yeah. And, like, I get it. And I think it's interesting because he has some very misogynistic characteristics initially. And they there, there's some real misogyny that goes on early on yeah and you see that kind of slip away his character is actually very interesting because i find he acknowledges he's like i wasn't present i wasn't a good husband like you see his awareness mm-hmm. for his his thing and there's no like there is no cheesy montage no there is no cheese like it just kind of like it happens and it's fully three-dimensional yeah yeah and that's really i think rare and i the other thing i really read that i really liked was that very few films capture their tone and essence in that first shot. And that first shot of Meryl Streep, the fade in and like the shadowing of her looking down on her son and singing, I, was, I saw that and I was just like, oh. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is... This is going to be heartbreaking. Yeah, or and that like, oh, I'm in good hands here. Like a first, a singular shot it, and it set the tone in that like same way. I don't think this is an amazing film, mm. but... There's so much good about it. I think going into the 80s, like, we're mentally preparing ourselves. I I haven't seen a lot of the 80s ones. I just know about of like, them, of yeah. them, right? But I do think that this might be the best of what we're going to get. I think it's very interesting because I think this is to the 80s what Midnight Cowboy was to the 70s. 80s? Because I think it was a true introduction. I think Midnight Cowboy was a real, int- especially Oliver, mm-hmm. and then to this. And I think we are, that's what's happening here. Because we move into ordinary people in terms of endearment and driving chariots, this, of, chariots fire. of fire. And these like 
Kind of like a low. Amadeus, Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi. Some really like middle brow kind of cinema. Yeah. Like middle brow art. It's kind of, it really isn't meant to be. Mediocre. It's very mediocre. But I think the really interesting thing I found about this was, is, again, we'll notice, I think there's going to be an interesting trend with ordinary people in terms of endearment and Driving Miss Daisy is that the focus is starting to shift from these movies about being the world and more about being your home. Oh. The things that are happening in your home, the things that are happening in your personal life, a lot of the movies that are coming up are very personal stories. A lot more relatable. They're a lot more about the people. Yeah. So it really, this this to me was really interesting because I was just like, what's happening in the world at these times is actually really reflected in the films yeah. and like what the what the people are interested in and what's what's resonating with them that's what's being reflected in in what's winning these pictures yeah. because what was happening in the 70s like you what came what when you came off the 60s in the world what's happening in the 70s we're getting rid of jimmy carter we're getting ready for reagan yeah well in the u.s in the but u.s but this, i mean a, this is very u.s based at the time so yeah. that's not it's not wrong it's not wrong and it's actually quite important yeah so you are moving into a more conservative mindset, mm-hmm. a more Republican mindset. And the Republican, especially at the time, was a lot more family-oriented. Yeah. So it's fascinating. A lot singular-minded. In what way? In terms of, like, Americans are thinking about themselves as opposed to the world yeah. outside of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're moving away from big city sprawl. Mm-hmm. Which is what a lot of, if you think about it, the 70s, they focus on, like, the downtown of it all. Like, Taxi Driver yeah. and uh, Midnight the Cowboy, grit. The Grit, like, all, like, really that way. And we're moving into, like, we're, it's, we're talking about the urban sprawl and what happens when you live in suburbia. We're going into the suburbs, We're yeah. moving into the suburbs and what that represents. And, like, the suburbs fine existed in the 60s, but I don't think we saw the effects of what the suburban 60s housewife was until much later. And I think we're we're gonna to start to see it. I just think it's really At least fascinating. We got actually. like the like sort of lament of like the sound of music and like musicals of like that is the sixties represented. Yeah, like it was a lot more like peaceful and homely and like it almost kind of is like the eighties in a way of that it is a little bit more like constraint. Yeah. Whereas like seventies were just like, whoa, let's I, get wild. I would be really interested to go back and look at the list of like movies from the sixties to be like what are because there's clear there's clear consistency in the movies from the 60s there looks like there's going to be consistency in, in the movies from the 70s so what was the fifth what was the the 60s and you have like the apartment west side story lawrence of arabia tom jones my fair lady the sound of music a man for all seasons in the heat of the night oliver and then midnight cowboy so you do have a lot of musicals mm-hmm. probably the biggest decade for musicals the biggest the biggest and you don't have another musical until 2002 chicago yeah i said it thank you (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't gonna say it so i thought you should (laughs) but also like big epics lawrence of arabia lawrence of arabia like all the musicals are very epic like it's very it's very actually interesting to see and again in 59 you have been her leading into the 60s not a lot of risk and maybe I'm just saying that because we were just talking about Ari Aster. <laughs> but, like, the 60s doesn't have, like, those all those titles to me just very seem safe. very safe in terms of their concept. And then the 70s aren't, like... It's all about the risk. It's, yeah. Yeah. You're putting everything out on the line there. and But then when we go into the 80s, it's like, oh, we're going to be risk adverse again. We're going to go back into... What we know, what's comfortable, what are the stories that, like, maybe aren't as compelling? I mean, that's interesting. I think if I look at the 60s, I'm seeing that the stories are more about people, like, groups of people. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, The Sound of Music or even My Fair Lady or West Side Story, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, there's, there's protagonists and there's lead characters, but oftentimes they're about, the like, the bigger picture overall, like, even Oliver. Whereas the 70s is really about the individual person, really about, you know, one man. And it's weird because the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two are in here too. But yeah, it just feels more about like what what is the man going through? Yeah, it's and very men focused. Very men yeah. focused, but like in the best way possible. Yes. Because it does it, it's the one decade that actually kind of really justifies what it's trying to say for the most part. And I think, though, it's then turned into, into the future, this, like, group of toxic Yes, exactly, yes. And then the 80s is, I think, about what is, 
what is the relationship? Because again, then you have something like, again, out of Africa is about a re- like a, an affair. Like there's a lot of this kind of stuff. Rain Man. That's true. There's a lot of things about like relationship. Oh. What is the what is the relationship that you hold on to? So what is that deck? And is... closer to home. And closer to Not home, as much yeah. Of like an epic. An epic. More... These are all. They're more grounded. More... And also, then, if we use the same kind of perspective to watch the movies, what's it going to say about the '90s and the 2000s? And like, are we going to start to see trends in movies that we didn't realize there were trends in? Probably. Like what was happening in the 2000s or the 2010s? And now that we look at it, we're like, oh, I see. Yeah. I think there'll probably be a lot of escapism. Yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. post 9-11 especially. Yeah. yeah. After, two th- yeah. Um, because that's what the world wants, too. Like, at if some you point. look back at, like, in the 60s, there's all these epics. It's because, like, they've just had, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's been 10 plus years, but, like, people are still kind of coming I mean, that out war was that. big, yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Was that a, was a world war. World war. <laughs> <laughs> so people are coming out of that and wanting to see things that maybe are an escape in itself. So yeah. yes, going to the Sound of Music makes yeah. a lot of sense. Like it does have the Nazis in it, but it's fun sing song. But it's fun sing song. Yeah, yeah it's fun Nazis. We can deal with fun Nazis. It's uh, fun. Mita loves the fun Mita Nazis. Mita loves the fun Nazis. I'll just say it. Yeah, yeah. she does. She's a big fan. <laughs> Nazi related films. Yes. Not the actual Nazis. Can we talk about La Streep? Oh, Meryl. Yeah. Oh, Meryl. She's so good in this. She's beautiful. It's just beautiful, like, yes. No, but like performance-wise too. Not oh, yeah. just in her face. Not just in her just face, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, she's very, she's so, you, I found her so, I'm just like so in love yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah. It's easy to hate her in this movie because she leaves her kid. That's interesting, she's yeah. like, why, who does that? Yeah. Who leaves their kid in the middle of the night like that? But you can understand where she's coming from. And that's all from her performance of like her explaining why she did what she did, why she needed to do what she do. I understand she needed to find herself. Do you know that mm-hmm. in the book, she actually doesn't have that dimension? So in the book, she's a lot more one-dimensional. Oh. They actually don't provide an explanation. And even in the original screenplay, there was no explanation. And she's essentially meant to look like a villain mm-hmm. to Dustin Hoffman's character. Like, she's bad. She just left her kid and now she wants it back. Yeah. And when Meryl read it, she rewrote those sequences to say i think we need to explain this woman so yeah. that you have some perspective god bless meryl truly because right honestly this would be a shit movie if, if it, she didn't but, yeah. if you didn't see that perspective and like i don't necessarily side with what she does no but i, but I suddenly understand, understand her a little bit more and i'm like okay i i wouldn't do it but i kind of understand I get where you're coming yeah. from especially in that scene when she's leaving him and she's just like I don't know what I'm going to do with myself if I have to if I have to stay, stay here, here. Yeah. and then on the stand when she says that like I just I was never a person like yeah. I wasn't I needed to find out who I was which sounds like such an airy fairy thing but then when she explains it you're like oh, oh okay like you like did if spend I didn't your have... entire life somebody's daughter yeah. and then you spent your entire life somebody's wife and now somebody's mother like and then never you tried to be something else yeah and you were pressured not to be mm-hmm. you were you know you were forced to try to be something that wasn't within you to be and like you kind of start to understand her and she her she's that first scene in the beginning when she leaves she's spectacular yeah. so spectacular and then on the stand you're she really I think we take Meryl for granted. Because Meryl we know today is not this Meryl. I think she's jaded now. Yeah. She's like 18 nominations and three Nicole, She kind of rests on the fact that... That she's Meryl she's now? She's Meryl. Yeah. But yeah. I also get now she gets to do She can that. do it. She can do she's it. She's proved herself. But when I watch something like August Osage County, there doesn't <laughs> feel like... It doesn't feel like the authenticity. Like it's a fine performance. But it doesn't feel so... This is, it's, it's so raw. Like, yeah. when she's crying on stand, you're like, that woman is crying. Do she's you, feeling those things. Do you think, though, like, in August, she's obviously wearing a wig. She's, like, not, like, there's, there's like, some costume to it, in a way. I so think a lot of her more recent roles feel more like a costume performance. Fair. Yeah. So what would be a more appropriate... I like saw comparison? I saw It's Complicated again recently. Yeah. And that maybe feels a little bit more like just Meryl being Meryl. Yeah. But it's so bland. But she's very good in it. Meryl's very good in it. It's complicated. Yeah. But she... Because you know who's not good in it? Alec and Steve. Yeah, Alec <laughs> They're and not Steve. great. Alec is actually not bad. Steve is not good Steve's in it. Steve's not good yeah. in it. Yeah. 
It's also a bit miscast, I think. I don't think Steve should have been. No. Yeah. We could have gotten her somewhere. We could have gotten someone better. Yeah. But all this to say that, like, yes, you are, I think, correct that it's a lot of... We see her in a lot of costume. Mm-hmm. A lot. And any time. Even in The Devil Wears Prada, she's that's not... That's costume. That's costume. But it works yeah. for her. Oh, that's the performance... That's her, that is her greatest that performance. Is, I'm just going to say yeah, it. I don't, it is her best. Have you seen Chelsea's Choice? No. Mm. No, no, no. Devil's Wear Prada is Devil her Wars, best. No, yeah. I, will, I will go by that too. I think it's, <laughs> it is actually her best. But I think she's excellent in this. Yeah. She's really, really good. She's so grounded. She's so grounded. Yeah. And so she brings such depth. And like you're saying, it's not just the writing that she herself did. It's that she brings that level of humanity to that character. And that's really hard to do yeah for such an unlikable character it's so easy to to put her aside and she says yeah get your shit together the fact that she comes back and she's like i want my kid back you're like bitch you don't get to have that kid back because a part of me is like okay fine you figured out who you are but how do you know this kid is gonna fit into the world that you now know you're part of absolutely yeah but then but i'm like no but joanna knows (laughs) joanna knows no but even though even when you hate her meryl has a way of making that hate feel real mm-hmm. like i'm just speaking for myself it doesn't feel so much like a put upon the end feels a little bit of a put upon of like but, the i didn't paint the room correctly yeah, yeah. <laughs> that in the whole sequence of like i'm not gonna take him yeah i thought that was a little like i think the real conversation anyway we can get to what the movie would be now because i think that's a very interesting oh thing. yeah but i think the the end kind of just feels like convenient yeah but I get it. I get the convenience here. I don't think this was meant to like. I don't think be it, risque. No, but I think <laughs> anyway. I think, and, and so to come back to what I said, this movie was also I will say very of its time. Mm. It's very much from the seventies. Yeah. Not just in how it looks or whatever, whatever. Very much of the seventies in terms of its presentation. Its presentation of relationships and how we you know talk to each other and like casual misogyny and like thing like it's the tone the tone of it is very 70s yeah how would this movie unfold in this day and age oh gosh i don't know if i would want to see it today why not it's still the story is completely relevant it is it is i just i i don't know why my mind instantly went to it not being like a compelling drama and it being like a really bad comedy in a way i don't know what i think i think really less of today's writers i guess i don't know <laughs> but like i could see it being butchered i think it's a more of a directing coop than yeah. it is a writing coop because mm-hmm. the writing is still it, it is good but it's the direction the that saves it from right. being a lifetime movie yeah yeah because yeah it could be a really bad lifetime movie yeah uh, or it could be like Somebody trying to give Ryan Reynolds, like, a dramatic role. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't want to see that. Yeah. But I think if, you know, actually, now that I just said it, I think it would be really interesting to see, like, Andrew Garfield in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see. Or even, there is even a world where, like, Ryan Gosling does, like, a similar. But Andrew Garfield is good casting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could see him in that Kramer character. Because I will say that, like, what Dustin Hoffman does is he takes this character from being so unlikable in the beginning mm-hmm. and feeling like, well, you brought this on yourself to being so likable in so, the yeah. end. That's That is also a feat. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. So, yeah, how would this unfold? And what would be different about it? He, the father would have the kid in the end. Like, he would get custody. He would get full custody. So you don't yeah. think... Because that was something that bothered me. The notion yeah. that, like, she just gets it because she's the mother and the fact she but left this kid for 18 months. That is realistic, especially yeah. for the 70s. Yeah. It's the notion that women are meant to be the caretakers. Caregivers, yeah. And so, yeah, she's going to get him. And in her her way, she get makes more money than him. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I did the inflation check. And how much did you get? Because IMDb gave me a different number. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let me see. Hold on. Um, I got in... 1979, so Joanna makes $31,000, yeah. which to, in today's world would be $144,237,000. Oh, as of 2002 in IMDb, it was 110000 Okay, so that's I did it for 2023. Yeah. And then Dustin Hoffman's character, what's his first name? I just know him as Kramer, which was my other point. How come people with the last name Kramer always... Are we referred to as Kramer? I actually don't yeah. know. Is Anyways, it? 
Yeah. Dustin Hoffman Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> His character made $28,200 a year, which would be $131,209,000. I, mean, I think that's fine. They're both making real good really money. Really good money. Yeah, and if they're together, they'd be making amazing money for New York. I don't know what the taxes are in New York, though. That's true. So. <laughs> true. Probably not as high as Ontario, so yeah. there's that. But yeah, I, I, I do think that. I also think she would need more reason. I don't think she can get away with, I was just finding I was trying myself. To find myself. No, yeah, that would I don't be think. so flaky. It would be too flaky. There would have had to have been like an affair on his part or something. Like he'd have to have done something really bad for her yeah. to want to leave. To leave the kid. Kid. Yeah. Like how do you... How do you leave your child? And I still don't know how that happens. I'm trying to... Th- I have no real life examples and this is what was also really compelling to me like you and i both we grew up in a culture where like divorce just wasn't a thing thing, and so i can count on one hand the amount of friends i had that had a divorced parent growing up and like i don't I don't know what that world is i don't want to to no 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 yeah yeah yeah. but like i find it interesting but i just don't i don't know what that is so it's very foreign to me to watch a situation like this which i'm sure happens all the time yeah yeah but like i can't i don't know anyone who has willingly like left their child yeah without some sort of yeah i much like you i also don't have the yeah personal experience to gauge that and because it and i think if I would experience, I, I think at this point in my life, where I am, I don't think I could find a reason. The only thing I can think of is, have you heard about Hayden Pantanier? Yes. So Hayden Pantanier was having substance abuse troubles. Mm-hmm. And she was going through it. And her husband, that her, her well, the father of her child, because they're no longer together. The father of her child lives in Russia, I believe. And so basically it was coming down to like, does she let her child go with her her mother to Russia or does she and stay home and take care of herself so she can get better or does she keep her child in her care where she's not in the best position but that's a total reasonable reason yeah like but that's what I mean that's what like finish that like complete yeah like it would have to be something but I think what conversely I think why the movie's so strong is because she doesn't have a compelling reason no it's just that it's just I need to find myself which again at the time I get but like why couldn't you find yourself with him like that's what I also was curious of like why didn't you take him with you because then she'd be a mother. I just... I know, and you know, I know that's the thing. It doesn't feel it right. Doesn't, it doesn't like, feel right. I don't have any children. I have a nephew, though, but I couldn't imagine, like... Oh, my God, I have say, children. Walking never, out of my yeah. sister's life, being I'm, like, I don't want to... I'm yeah. currently having an existential crisis, and I could never leave my children just to be like, I need to land myself. Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. No. So, but I think the difference is, is that the way Joanna explains it and what we probably understand kind of just by watching it, is that Joanna was probably young, went to school, got a job, found a boyfriend, got engaged, got married, had a kid. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, most people get married much later. That's true. So you have that time to find yourself. Yes. And like, you, it would have to be a very specific scenario. So, like, some young girl in the South who got pregnant at 16 or yeah, something like but that. But, yes, yeah. like, we would have to have, there would have to be innate sympathy built into that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, uh, I've never seen it, but the Drew Barrymore character in Riding in Cars with Boys. I yeah. I feel like that would be the, like, present, if she did leave her, I don't think she leaves her kid in that movie. But, like, if there was somebody who was. I've also kid. never seen it, okay. so I can't tell you. But, <laughs> but yes, yes, from what I know of it, that's exactly it. But yeah. Who would you cast as the Joanna of today? A young girl street. <laughs> so her daughter, Mamie so, Gummer, yeah. or one of the other Gummer girls. No, who could Grace? actually who could actually bring that kind of like warmth? You know who I would love to cast in it? It would be like an Alia Putt. Oh yeah. I think would do I would love to see what she would do with that. Yes. If we're talking like Western. Maybe Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, actually, Jennifer I Lawrence. She might be able I actually to do think it. Jennifer Lawrence would be great. But then I don't, I can't see her with Andrew Garfield, so I would need to recast no, Andrew that. No, Garfield and Andrew Garfield and Alia Putt, first of all, is what I'd like to see. But if that doesn't work out, it'd be cool with Jennifer Lawrence too. I can't picture them together. Mm-hmm. It also just seems weird to me because Emma Stone is her best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they could do it. I think Jennifer Lawrence actually. I would if I had to choose, choose that casting, Andrew I would choose Jennifer Lawrence over. Yeah. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. And then find someone else to do that role. Do we want to talk about Dustin? And how good he was? Yeah, how good, but also, like, his his character outside of... Oh, yes. <laughs> we should. Dustin Hoffman's an asshole. He's an asshole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Which is why we've never kids. seen Meryl and Dustin since. No. Yeah. So Dustin Hoffman asked for Meryl Streep to be mm-hmm. cast in this role because he knew that at the time her longtime love, John Cazell. First of all, I had no idea. You didn't know? No. I'm sure I brought it up before. Possibly, but we didn't. We did an entire episode for the Deer Hunter with Meryl Streep and John Cazale. The movie he died making. How did you not know? I just I never read. I, I thought you knew, so that's why I didn't say. But anything. I knew he died, and I yeah. knew he died. But lung cancer, making the film, blah 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 blah. But yeah. I didn't know that. She I didn't was bring it up him. last week because I figured we were going to talk about it this week. Oh yeah, no. But there you go. So no it's Meryl Streep's yeah. longtime lover, John Cazale, yeah. who she had just starred the year previously in The Deer Hunter mm-hmm. with. They were not a romantic item in that movie, but they were a romantic item in real life. I think yeah. they were engaged. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and he passed away from cancer, and Dustin Hoffman was aware of this and said, "Hey." She's going to have real emotions on the yeah. set of the movie. Let's get her in here. And I'm going to make her life hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly what he did. I just know he made her oh, life he hell. he slapped her at one point. What? Yeah. Apparently physically slapped her at one point. That scene when they're in the restaurant and he smacks the wine glass onto yeah. the wall. She didn't know. <gasps> he, at one point, she needed to be emotional and he whispered his name in her ear. <laughs> he did like some psychotic shit. Like I don't really, like really, this I, that I don't like. Like, look, I'm all for pushing actors to their like limit, but there's a level of like acceptability, and that all of those things. It's cross. sadistic. I think the thing about the wine glass is okay if you want like you want a real reaction. You want a real reaction, sure. and like yes, I get that, but yeah. like the rest of it is cruel. Don't like. Don't physically hit her. her. Yeah. She's Meryl Streep. Have you seen the YouTube clip of him and is it's Lily Tomlin and what's that movie? What's his name? Is it I Heart Huckabee? Yeah. But it, that's what's his face. It, but Lily. there's also him. Like he's also berating Lily at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. He does strike me as an ass. He, yeah. I mean, what? where has he been lately? I think he's just old now. Yeah. yeah. And people don't want to work with an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Up until this point, we've only seen him in Lenny, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and Midnight Cowboy. Yes, Midnight yes. Cowboy. And <laughs> yeah. then we see him in Rain Man in a yes. few years, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's a he's a dick. Dustin. And he does some dick-like things. Yeah. Yeah. But very good in this movie. Very good in this movie. <laughs> and that trajectory is actually really remarkable because you don't even realize it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, the arc is so organic and he presents it so organically that you're like, oh, wait, I hated him in the beginning. I, I hated him in that first scene with Joanna, but then yeah. as soon as he starts making breakfast for his kid, I'm like, oh, you're kind of likable. Like, it's, you're really trying here. It's really, really, it just feels so natural. Yeah. Like, a dad would accidentally make French toast in a mug. Yeah, like, if he was an idiot, of course. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to... Sequel, prequel, idea. Is that what we're going to do? Um, you're going to give me a sequel, prequel idea first. I'm going to give you a sequel. Yes, you are. I if you, I mean if you have it. I actually would like to know how this all plays out in terms of the custody. So yeah. at the end we find out he gets him every other weekend. Is that what it is? Yeah. Every other weekend and there was like another one weekday. One every week- other weekend and 50 I don't know why I remember this. 50% of the kids time off. There you go. So like a month in summer. Yeah. I want to see how that plays out. I think that's the most compelling part. So, like I said earlier, like what that would happen I had, if, hmm? what would happen? How? Do, what does it look like? Because I said earlier, I had a, one friend growing up that had divorced parents, yeah. and in this friend's situation, her brother stayed with her father, mm-hmm. and they lived like across the street from us. And she moved with her mother, and they moved to the U.S. But she got to come and see her dad every summer, mm-hmm. and she would spend the whole month. And oh. there was like. One slumber party we were having where she just, like, burst into tears and, like, she was, like, hugging my mom. And I was like, what's wrong? She's just like, I miss my mom. Like, I wish, yeah, I wish I could be, like, with both my parents all the time kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, sad. That's sad, yeah. And so I'm curious what, I'm forgetting their kid's name right now. Billy. Billy. Like, what what is the effect of this on Billy? On Billy, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we've seen that. Like, there's a lot of movies about divorced kids, right? But you want to see, like, about Billy. I want Billy. Because there's stepmom, Mita. <laughs> no, but that's different. Because the, the mom, Susan Sarandon's not Joanna. I think it's, re- like, what is going to happen in 10 years when Billy's like, hey, mom, 
why did you leave me for those 18 months? Yeah. Like, what That what That is that an about? interesting movie. Yeah. yeah. That is. Coming to terms and, like, understanding why a mom would do that to yeah, their child. Yeah, that's a good question. And that's why Ari Aster made Bo is afraid. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ari Aster is what happens when she doesn't give up custody. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When Joanna doesn't give it up. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go into ratings. Mm. And at the same time... Yes, does it deserve... Because we didn't even it... talk about the other... Yes, exactly. Yeah, so okay. I just want to call them out right now. <clears throat> the other nominees. We have All That Jazz, Breaking Away, Norma Ray, and a little movie called Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Very eclectic mix. Yeah. Very eclectic. Kind of all over the place. Really all over the place. I have not seen any of these, including Apocalypse Now. So I have not seen... Any of them except for Norma Norma Ray, which I watched recently. I watched the other day. Norma Ray is very much like a on the ground people kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of falls in line with Kramer versus Kramer. So I can understand why like those two would be nominated in the same year. But I've not seen Apocalypse Now. And I know that the notion is that Apocalypse Now is like the greatest all that jazz i really wanted to watch but it's not available anywhere anywhere no oh it's about pussy i know i wanted to see pussy apocalypse now is a movie that i wish i had i wish i i actually i had a a week and so i didn't check this list and i wish i had and i wish i had watched this okay because i've always wanted to see apocalypse now and i've just never gotten around to it and it's actually not even that long it's two and a half hours that's comparatively like it's <laughs> the three hour the movie. Three we hour, watched, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually not that terrible. Maybe I'll watch this this week. Actually, I was very close to it, but then it's also a war film, so I was. Yes, it is. Like, yes, I was, it's I was very like, no, much. I'm not in the mood. Which is might be why it didn't win. Oh, interesting. Like I but... feel like we don't discuss the war many years at this point. So, are but we, we did it the to... year before with the Deer Hunter. So, are we getting it a little fatigued? I hope so. <laughs> but truly, that's what it, that is what it might feel like. Because even something like Taxi Driver yeah. talks about the Vietnam War, even if we're not necessarily in Vietnam at the time. That's true. So is but there a little bit... Win. Taxi Driver also didn't win, yeah. no. So maybe there's a level of being tired of it, but also there is a certain amount of wholesomeness about Kramer versus Kramer. It is very approachable. I think that makes sense, especially if I'm thinking, like, U.S. politics, like, how yeah. we were speaking about before. Like, this is the end of the 70s, so Jimmy Carter's been right, and people were very unsure of Jimmy Carter and, like, weren't appreciative of all the stuff that was going yes. on. And, like, Iran, no, wait, Iran contrasts Reagan. But, like, there was shit yes, going yes, down. Yes. Uh, watch Argo. There was shit going down. <laughs> and yeah. I think you're probably right. People wanted to step away from politics and war and that kind of scenery yeah. and wanted something that's a bit more humbling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Kramer versus Kramer is not, it's not actually a feel-good film. I wouldn't call it that because it, the ending is a little bit more like, it's humbling is I guess the response. Like mm-hmm. the, it, it makes you feel like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's where you land emotionally. And I think people were okay with that. They wanted, but I think people wanted something maybe a little bit more emotionally v- virile. Yeah. And that's what the 80s might be about. Mm. So in terms of whether it deserved Best Picture in my rating, I haven't seen everything. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to judge. I haven't seen anything at all. And so all I can say is that I think there's a reason it won. And I think there's a reason it's as famous as it still is. Not just because it won Best Picture. I think this is a movie in theory that I was kind of just like, it's just going to be like bland and cheesy. And it's actually not. It's actually not cheesy at all. And that, I think, is a feat. Hmm. There's there's things about this. It's moments. That, like, end scene when Billy, when they're making French toast properly. Yeah. And then Billy just hugs his father. I was just like, it made me cry. I was actually quite moved by it. And I think that, I've always said that an emotional response is really hard to do. Watching two-dimensional things on a screen happen and feel something viscerally inside you, that is, that takes work. Yeah. That takes a lot of work, and it's a good film that can do that. And I can, you can tell why this one. People connected to it. They felt something to it. Yeah. And I think that's evident. I connected to it. I'm a father. I love my children. I take care of my children. I watch my children. And... 
you do hear comments. People do. And, you know, there's always comments about like, oh, for a dad, you do so much, blah, 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 which is obviously undermining a, like a woman's capability and like that, that it is 50%, but it also undermines a father's capability in mm-hmm. that, you know, fathers often aren't given the same appreciation that women are for being loving parents. And especially in times like this, you know, you do question, like, if you were, to, if, if there were to be a custody, would I lose my kids just because I'm not a woman yeah. or if I'm not the mother? And this taps into that very simplistically mm-hmm. without villainizing Joanna. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crucial is that move by Meryl Streep to humanize her and give her explanation and give her reason. And at the end of the day, not come off vindictive. Mm. I think that's also, there's a lot of nuance in this. And I think that's remarkable. I did not expect that. I kind of expected this to be a little bit more 80s leaning and a little bit more cheesy. And I came out quite taken by it. I really enjoyed the experience. I would highly recommend it. It's actually very easy to watch. Yeah. It's a nice watch. And I'm landing on three and a half. Very nice. You. Me. Kramer versus Kramer. Kramer. Wow. What a movie. movie. (laughs) I kind of have the same sentiments. Like, I was prepared for cheesiness. Like, that's what I... Especially, like, the score of this, the music, like, the little ho-hum of it all. It was also the the podunk music in the beginning. I was really not prepared for it, but I did like it. What are we watching here? I did like it, though. But it works. It works. It all works, yeah. Because just as you're saying, like, Joanna isn't villainized in this. Like, you, there is a tug of war with both of these characters. Like, as an audience member, you are trying to figure out who do you actually side with. And I came to the realization at the end is that two things can be right at the, two things can be right Mm -hmm. and two things can be wrong at the same Mm -hmm. time. And while I, like, I am of the camp, I actually think Billy should be with his father. Mm. Like, I think Joanna might think she has something figured out now, but who's to say, Yeah. right? Whereas our Dustin Hoffman character is pretty sure of who he is. Yeah. And granted, he's been given that opportunity yes, because exactly. of his sex in life. Like, he's already been afforded that, but he is pretty sure, and he's able to balance being who he is yeah. And taking care of this kid. And I think, like, in the long run, that's going to be more beneficial yeah. for Billy. And so I disagree where this movie ends, but I get why it does what it does, because it's a movie of its time. Yeah. But this actually had me thinking so much more than I thought it was going mm. to be. Like, yeah. I thought this was going to just be, like, a courtroom kind of battle between yeah. two parents, where I would obviously choose the mother's side, because yeah. that's typical of me. But it wasn't. It really ha- it had some thought-provoking ideas there, yeah. especially when it comes to, like, nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. parenthood in general. Yeah. Like, as someone who's not a parent, I did find it very interesting. Yeah. And, like, I would suggest any person watch this, not just people with children. Yeah. I think it really is a powerful movie. And something that it actually reminded me of that it, I didn't bring up yet was a separation, which has oh, that interesting. same yeah. concept of like, where is this kid going to go? What's yeah. going to happen with this family? A separation is a bit more compelling. <laughs> a bit by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it's a five-star review for both, yeah, yeah. both of us. Yeah. So you can watch that in season two, mm. one? Two. Two. I think so. You yeah. picked it for me. I picked me. it for you, Yeah. Yeah. So you can listen to us talk about yeah. that. But no, it was it was so much more than I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like I was prepared for a snooze fest. Yeah, a little bit. But I actually had like a really nice Saturday morning yeah. watching this. And I think it's a like it's a comforting movie in a lot of ways. I yeah. think if I'm ever feeling down, I might watch this too. It's not gonna cheer me up and bring like yeah. me into good spirits, but it's something. It's just it kind of feels like a blanket over you. It is the. It's actually a movie. If you know when you're in a bad mood and you don't actually want to be in a good mood. Yeah. It's actually that kind. You of, can kind of stir with this. Yeah. And then in a way, it'll alleviate things a yeah. little bit. It's not gonna like bring you up into high yes. spirits, but it's it's. It's, it's there. A, it's a warm blanket on yeah. a cold day. There you go. Yeah. It's a cup of hot cocoa. Yes. Yes. Um, also, we didn't talk about the Joe Beth Williams scene, which I think is like hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like one of the funniest things yeah, yeah. I've seen. Yeah. And 
also something that totally would 100% happen. Happen, yeah. And that's the, the thing I appreciate the most about this movie. At no point was I like, well, that's just dramatic. Dramatic, yeah. That's too much. Yeah. That wouldn't happen. No, yeah. everything in this makes sense. Yeah. Especially the even like melodramatic scene of when he falls off the play structure and he's like running yeah, to the yeah, hospital. Yeah. I could totally see a parent, a parent doing, doing that. that. Yeah. Yes, and I loved that about this. Yeah. It felt very real. And I know we've been, like, kind of afraid of what's to come with the 80s, yeah. but I'm hoping... I haven't seen a lot of the 80s okay. movies. I'm hoping they still have the same sentiment okay. that this does. Okay. It, it's also a three and a half for me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. One thing I actually wanted to bring up is when we were talking about how would you remake this as a modern movie, they already did in Bollywood. Yes. It's called Akele Ham Akele Tum. No, no, no. It's called Akele Ham Akele Tum. That is starring Amir Khan and Manisha Kurela. Yeah. And in that movie... Amir Khan plays an aspiring singer. They have a son, and Manisha Gorella plays a housewife who leaves them to become an actress, mm-hmm. to have career aspirations. And she comes back as a successful actress, mm-hmm. saying, I can now afford to take care of our child that you can't. Yeah. So there you go. Very different. Very different. But the same. <laughs> but that's... Yes. And... Uh, Joanna's the... point was never that she needed to make more money. Well, that's not the point of, like... Of like, I need to go away to make money because yeah. you can. It's because I have these aspirations. But now I am in a position okay. that I, I, I can take yes. care of him she now. Has 31, she 000, has 31,000. Yeah. He has 28,200. He has much less than that. But in the end, yes. <laughs> in true Bollywood fashion, they end up together. Yeah. I don't remember that movie. Like, I, I yeah. know I saw it. I've only seen it the one time, okay. but clearly remembered quite a bit of I it. I remember yeah. the song, for yeah. sure. It was yeah. like 30 years ago. So. Yeah. But yes, that was... The last of the 70s. Aww. The end of an era. We move into 1980s. As we go on, we remember the 70s. <laughs> I was going to see what you're going to do with that. Had together. Okay. But before we get to our first movie from the 80s. You, we. Mita. Yes. We're going to connect a movie. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week you had me connect. Yeah. Parasite. Yes. To what I think is an awful movie, Stepmom. A great movie. <laughs> and this week, Mita, I'm going to have you connect Stepmom okay. to a movie I was recently watching. Yeah. Confessions of a Shopaholic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I found one way to do it. Okay. I'm sure there are others. Yeah. And your timer starts now. I don't know why I keep thinking of Leslie Bibb of all people, but that's not a good way to... Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Susan Sarandon is in Stepmom. Yep. She is in Little Woman 1994 with mm-hmm. one Kirsten Dunst, who okay. is in Bachelorette with Isla Fisher, who is the star of Confessions of a Shopaholic. There you go, Mitha. <laughs> Mitha, do you remember at the beginning of this conversation when I was like looking yes. to find, and I was just like, I was just going to ask you if you know this random person, and then I stopped because I was just like, maybe you do. Was it Leslie Bibb? Yeah. <laughs> really love Leslie Bibb. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Bibb starred on Popular. <laughs> Did you ever watch Popular? No, I didn't. It was a it was a Ryan Murphy show oh, that only lasted a few seasons, right. but it was like primo yeah. teen drama at the time. But Mita, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Wait, now I want to know what the Leslie Bibb connection. Uh, there is no was. Leslie okay. Bibb connection. I found a connection with John Lithgow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's in? Um, He's in Confessions of a Shopaholic? Yeah, he, he has like a small side character. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. But I did it. You did it. Well yeah. done. I'm very impressed. Okay, Mita. Yes. What are we watching next week? Uh, next week, Nadim, we're entering the 80s. We're entering a new director. A director we've not watched direct yet. Yeah. We're watching Robert Redford's Ordinary People. Ordinary People. Oh, I was going to go John Legend. Oh, we're just ordinary people. Okay. Yeah, we were watching Ordinary People. Yeah. A movie from 1980. <laughs> so I was going to say something and ruin my opinion about it, but let's move forward. Yeah. I have seen it. Have what you if, seen it? No. Okay. What if you change your mind? I might. I haven't seen this for a long time. There you so go. we'll have to see how I feel about it. But that is for next week. Yeah. Mita, for this week, do you have any parting words? Yeah. <laughs> do you like fried chicken? It's a great line. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. I also picked it because I know Nadim. I love fried chicken. Nadim is obsessed with fried chicken. Love fried chicken. Like my third child is fried chicken. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Ordinary People. And some fried chicken. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can send us an email at moviestowatchpod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at moviestowatchpod, and check out our letterbox at movies, the number two, watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.